You are listening to Interlace Podcast, the podcast covering internationalization in culture and education. Today we will release the second country special and the focus is Georgia. And actually, without travel to Georgia in 2012, the Interlace Podcast would never existed. That was the first time me, Christopher Fredriksson and Mirko Rano met. Our guest today is Lika Glunti, the National Coordinator of Erasmus Plus Office in Tbilisi, Georgia. Mirko, again, a few words on what the National Erasmus Plus Office are and what they do for those who haven't uh, followed our special on Uzbekistan some weeks ago. Yeah, the Erasmus Plus National Offices are um, created in collaboration between the European Commission and the national authorities, usually ministries or ministers of higher education or government, uh, for the implementation of the actions of Erasmus Plus that uh, allow the participation of non-European countries, so the former Tempus offices very often. And they provide uh, support for the local um, organizations, university schools for the participation in Erasmus Plus and the allowed actions. They provide uh, information, they provide monitoring, and they, uh, in general, uh, implement the Erasmus Plus actions in those countries. Before we listen to the pre-recorded interview we we made with Leek earlier this summer. For many people, Georgia is perhaps just the name on the of a country, still not very well known. How can we introduce it to those who are not familiar with it? Well, the Republic of Georgia uh, is one of the uh, countries in the Caucasus region. Uh, it's located at the crossroads of Western Asia and Eastern Europe. Um, it's a relatively small country, uh, less than 4 million people, uh, and as probably many people know, the capital and largest city is Tbilisi, uh, which has around 1 million inhabitants. It's, uh, as many other countries in the region, is very diverse in terms of uh, ethnic groups, um, ethnic minorities, religions, and so on. As it was and has always been a crossroad. Currently, there are 75 state-recognized uh, higher education institutions in Georgia. What is peculiar is that 55% are private. Um, the establishment and operation of higher education institutions, both state and private, are monitored by the National Center for Educational Quality Enhancement of Georgia. And higher education institutions can be publicly or privately funded quality criteria anyway are the same for all institutions regardless of their legal status. So mm. it's a very interesting and uh, peculiar environment and we will get to know more about it. So let's listen to the interview we made earlier this summer. Lika Glunti. I'm very, very happy to meet you online again, Lika. How is life? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast project. Well, love is, life is coming slowly back to normal, to the new normal, let's say, which is kind of hybrid model now. Yeah, uh, Georgia has been totally locked down for several months now. Yes. Or 
Yeah. Yes, we had current, we've been quarantined, but actually these measures also helped us to uh, have quite a good numbers when it comes to COVID-19 statistics. So we kind of were more or less successful here. Please tell us, what is your role within the National Erasmus Plus office? Oh, it's kind of a standard one. So I'm coordinating National Erasmus Plus office in Georgia and the main tasks are uh, information, promotion of the program, providing information and tailor-made trainings to different stakeholders, both individuals and organizations. We mostly work with universities involving students and administrative staff and academic staff, but also with non-governmental organizations and with governmental authorities such as Ministry of Education, Local Accreditation uh, Council, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, etc. So it's promoting, it's informing, it's uh, monitoring already funded projects, and generally it's kind of supporting higher education reform in the country because Erasmus is not only about mobility, you know, so it's about capacity building, it's about upgrading programs, it's about uh, helping universities, and through this, we are supporting higher education reform and trying to enhance the quality. So we would like to know also uh, more in general about um, the, the background uh, of the transition from the Soviet system uh, when it comes to education to the current uh, system you have, the national one, and in particular with uh, reference to internationalization. So higher education, but also okay. how did internationalization look then and how does it look mm -hmm. now? So, okay. Um... The transition was not easy, of course, because it was uh, a heavily ideologically uh, determined system of education, including higher education and science and research. Uh, it was planned and it was based on communist ideology. Coming away from it was um, kind of very desired, but not that easy. And the main question for me was the autonomy of universities and generally autonomy of involved stakeholders. Um, you cannot consider uh, reform of education without the general political reform in our countries because education is always reflecting the situation in political uh, fields. So I think it was successful, also not easy. And I'm not sure that we, are, that we managed to get rid of all the Soviet legacy, especially in the mindset of people uh, and funny enough, it's not that much um, age related because usually people say, okay, we have professors of older generation who are still there somewhere in the old Soviet times. Um, they managed to transit this kind of thinking also to younger generations. So from what I've seen in Georgian universities, it's not always uh, age related. Uh, but at the same time, considering the European orientation of our country, I think from all other post-Soviet countries, Georgia managed to get away from the Soviet legacy really well, but we have still some uh, remnants here and there. And, um, but uh, I have to say, uh, when we were now facing this COVID-19 pandemic and whatever, it was a very good illustration to see that finally universities and um, professors and administrators understood that they are really autonomous and they were not waiting for any uh, top-down decisions of the ministry how to 
adapt to the situation. So the universities, actually all of them, started individually to adapt to this uh, uh, new reality and they started introducing online courses and switched fully to the online teaching which was also not easy, but uh, they started doing it. And then after two or three weeks, ministry came up with a general decree. So this was for me a very nice illustration and very promising illustration of the fact that we are autonomous. When it comes to international dimension of higher education, you have to consider the Soviet Union was also a very locked country. So international communication during the Soviet time was very restricted mostly to the um, uh, East uh, Bloc countries and whatever. Uh, I, as a student, was allowed to go to the German Democratic Republic only, but not to the West Germany because it could be dangerous. It was a capitalistic country, you know. So uh, it was a limited, uh, this cooperation during Soviet time was limited geographically and also according to disciplines because a lot of research projects were all done for the military services only. So so it was not open. Right now it is absolutely open, of course, and uh, also being very small and poor, Georgia has a very wide network of uh, uh, educational and research projects throughout the world. Um, we don't have such a national strategy for international cooperation, actually. There's a national strategy of education where it's only one line that that international cooperation is important. Mostly international uh, cooperation is uh, accented in the authorization standards. So the local quality assurance agency, while accrediting universities and study programs, puts a big emphasis of international dimensions, both in teaching and in research um, cooperation. And universities are developing their own strategies when it comes to internationalization. Of course, Europe and generally the Western world is very, very important in these terms. But I also have to say that we have a very good network of cooperation with African and Asian countries because we see them as a source of incoming students and especially in the field of medical programs because um, Studying medicine in Georgia is much more affordable than in European countries in terms of price. In terms of quality, I can say that the programs are here internationally accredited. So, and it is also financially very profitable, both for students in Georgian universities. So the highest number of international students we get in the country, about 80% do their studies at medical faculties. And this is a, uh, another aspect of international cooperation in Georgian modern higher education system. So there's everything put together, financial interests, interest to place, to put this country on the educational map worldwide. And also the main interest, which is the best one, and I think the most important one, uh, to see internationalization as a tool of improving quality. And I think Erasmus here plays a huge role because uh, it's, it has not only this kind of, you know, cultural and touristic component to it, it has a very heavy qualitative component to it. So we see it as a tool, an instrument to improve quality of education and being more competitive worldwide. Just curious, in the pre-91 system, do you, you mentioned the, the Eastern Bloc and the intra-Soviet Union cooperation, but did you also have collaboration in, um, for example, other communist countries like Cuba, Vietnam? Were there any interactions? Uh, Georgia, them? not that much, I have no. to say. I mean, the leaders were definitely Russian universities from Moscow and St. Petersburg. 
what I can tell you from Georgian perspective, which was a small Soviet Republic there, really small with something like 4 million uh, inhabitants. So we had cooperation with East Germany, with Poland, uh, and surprisingly also with Arab countries of the kind of Soviet bloc, like Syria, for example, because Georgia had traditionally very uh, well-structured oriental studies due to our geographical location, so Turkish, Persian, and Arab languages. And I think uh, in this way, I know because my brother was involved in it, so Syria was a very close partner in terms of uh, oriental studies. And you presented now the picture of how it looks like today and how it was before, but in terms of uh, development perspectives, uh, how would you see in the short, medium term, uh, development in uh, internationalization of higher education in Georgia. Is there in the anything future, you mean? In, the, in the near future? What do you see that might be happening soon? Um, I mean, there is no other alternative as being international in higher education. We are not talking about the school education, we are talking about the university education. And I cannot understand and I cannot see in the future any picture without international cooperation in this field because it already started uh, and it is a huge field. You, you, you are educating future specialists. You have to do research. You have to know each other. Research cannot be national only. It has to be international. And I think the uh, share of international cooperation will be only increasing. And even during uh, pandemic period, we could, we've seen that it could be also done virtually. Uh, so it could, done, it could be done online. I'm a big fan of face-to-face -face cooperation and communication, I have to tell you. When it comes, for example, for student exchange, I don't like virtual uh, platforms for that because I think the main added value for students is packing the suitcase and going to the different country and living there independently. I, I have a background as an artist and I also been working in arts higher education for more than 20 years now. And of course, my heart, belongs to the arts. So how does the international co uh, collaboration looks like in the field of culture and arts and uh, what activities do you support by your uh, center? Uh, we are very proud of our art schools, especially the Pilsi State Conservatoire, which is very, very active. Uh, as far as I know, they have the highest number of Erasmus exchange programs among all the music high schools in Europe because they are a member of this association. And I've seen the numbers, at least last year it was true. Uh, I think um, okay, the problem uh, or the challenge in Georgia we have is that a lot in international cooperation depends on individuals involved in it. So if you're lucky and the rector of the university or the person in charge of international relations is active and communicative, then they have a lot of cooperation. If persons are not that active or maybe personally not interested in international cooperation, then the whole university is suffering under it. So we have three big art schools in Georgia, East Greece State Conservatoire, which I mean, I think you know it. Uh, we have Academy of Arts and we have uh, film and movie, universe, uh, movie and theater university. So the first two are very active and very successful, but in case of uh, movie and theater university, they have only one exchange program, also based on, on personal communication, because administration was not very eager to do something. So this is a problem we have at Georgian universities when a lot is 
personally driven, you know, so a lot depends on personal interest and communication and contacts. We wanted to know also uh, more in, in uh, detail, now we have the general picture, but uh, are there any projects you have been um, supervising or monitoring involving Georgian um, higher education institutions in the years when you've been in charge that you might want to a mention? Some, some success stories, something remarkable that can inspire um, others. Uh, lots of them, actually, lots of them. Okay, when it comes to Erasmus projects, uh, let's distinguish between capacity building projects, which are about institutional support and mobility projects. And I prefer at the moment to speak about the capacity building projects because this is the only donor program which supports university as an institution. Yeah. And we can see in Georgia very interesting dynamics of these type of programs because in the first years, main focus was given to the curriculum development projects. So professors were developing projects about new degree programs. And I have to say we have real success stories because we have with Erasmus and its predecessor Tempus program created study programs for non-existing professions in Georgia. So the fact that we have right now social workers, which is heavily demanded now, it's a well-established profession already, we have to be thankful to the Tempus program which helped leading Georgian universities to develop social worker study programs for bachelor, master, and doctoral levels. To name this one example, for example. Right now, we have one of the most successful and very sustainable uh, project running, by the way, with participation of Uppsala University, so we have Swedish mm. partners there. It's about uh, academic integrity. So, and we see now the uh, tendency is coming away from curricular programs, because actually we learned how to do it, to rather different type of capacity building programs, which are enhancing the third mission of university, how the university could be interlinked with business, generally with the society, and about university internal structures. So academic integrity program is uh, about uh, fighting plagiarism among students and staff and we have 12 Georgian universities involved in this program it's coordinated by the Georgian University and I can really tell you that this project has uh, contributed a lot in the mindset shift you know because we were talking about the plagiarism all the time this is actually also one of the Soviet legacies we had in our teaching models so we are not only fighting the fact of the plagiarism and telling students that it is a bad thing to do but we are also training academic staff how to teach uh, without using plagiarism and, and how to prevent it at the learning uh, stage so this type of projects i could uh, say are really very very successful and we did a lot of projects about civic education uh, which were also helping to the european orientation of the country I just thought that uh, it's quite obvious that most of cooperation happens through the uh, Erasmus Plus and capacity building projects because you represent the Erasmus Plus office. But are there any other uh, opportunities or national programs that fund cooperation, international cooperation in higher education that go beyond uh, capacity okay. building and uh, international trade mobility, for example? 
Okay, we have a lot of other mobility programs like German Academic Exchange Service and British Council and Alliance Francaise are offering a lot of projects, uh, American programs with Fulbright and not only. There are different foundations which are supporting research projects uh, uh, in this field. And we have two big national projects which uh, put emphasis on international cooperation. There is a Rustavelli Science Foundation which has a special program of research projects in cooperation with international partners. So they are specifically funding this type. And we have International Education Center, which is also funded by Georgian government. It's also is a scholarship uh, distributing uh, um, authority, which enables Georgian students to do their master and doctoral degrees abroad, but they have to come back to Georgia and they work here because they, because they, they are governmentally funded. So they have somehow to pay back while working at Georgian uh, authorities when they come back. What would be the benefit for European universities to start a collaboration with Georgian partners? Uh, I mean, there's a general uh, statement about widening the horizons, you know, and knowing new countries, new people, new cultures, languages, etc., and being really international. So that could be one. Second, it could be that Georgia offers a lot of interesting topics for cooperation, and it's not only arts and music, but it could be also social sciences, it could be linguistics, it could be uh, ecological sciences, because we are a very interesting country uh, in these terms. And, and the third point for me would be, I think every developed and rich country, which European countries are per se, have a special mission of sharing and supporting. And um, by this, by fulfilling this mission of sharing and supporting, you are helping countries like Georgia to be more European and to reduce the kind of general uh, problems worldwide. So I think it will be kind of European mission to do this type of cooperation. And now that we know the positive, we would also like to know, not the negative, but what, would be, what are the barriers to international collaboration in higher education uh, in Georgia, both from the Georgian side and for, non, uh, for, for universities from other countries to collaborate with Georgian universities? Is there anything that you have noticed through your, the of projects course, that you of have? Of course. First of all, it, uh, it's always lack of money and funds because you need uh, financial support for this type of cooperation. When we speak about Erasmus, uh, success rate of projects because of financial reasons in something between 10 or 12%, which is really low. Uh, we've been, we've been uh, told by Brussels many times that the quality of uh, proposals is very high, but there is never enough money. And it's very sad and disappointing so uh, that people and consortia, European and Georgian uh, colleagues coming up with very good ideas and there is never enough money. So money is a challenge, definitely. Uh, language could be a problem, yes, definitely. I cannot... Uh, hope or imagine that anyone will start learning Georgian unless it's a linguist. Uh, and then 
uh, I would say they could be, I mean, in terms of uh, monitoring or, uh, I don't know, legal basis for cooperation, we are very free and liberal country in these terms. And Georgia is very comfortable to cooperate in these terms. Also for uh, travel, because we have visa-free regime, so everyone can come to Georgia. So it's, it's really easy in comparison maybe to other post-Soviet countries or countries uh, somewhere in the world. But um, for me, the main problem could be also, you know, um, not, not enough willingness to change. Because sometimes uh, a group of professors starts a project and then they hit a barrier with administration, which is um, not willing to do something or is just lazy or incompetent. So this could be also an additional. But this is our internal problem and barrier. We have to deal with it uh, internally. But we do have sometimes these cases when you have to push a bit your administration to uh, push through your ideas and improve what you want to improve. How can your office uh, support non-Georgian higher educations to facilitate collaborations involving national actors? Could you give some uh, I think I'm doing it all the time because I've been, I mean, we have a very good network of national offices and national agencies in program countries. And when program countries are organizing information events, they often invite us. So I've been practically everywhere. Uh, I've been to uh, uh, Nordic countries meetings, actually in Denmark a couple of years ago. I'm traveling around uh, program countries when I'm, first of all, presenting my country and my universities in my higher education system. And uh, we are also providing a lot of consultancy. So we are open 24-7. I mean, is it? It's a Georgian approach to work, actually, uh, and any European university can address us if they want to cooperate with Georgian universities. This is our job to consult them also and to find some Georgian partners, reliable Georgian partners, to explain how the situation is in Georgia. So any university in the world can basically contact you and ask about uh, possibilities yeah. to collaborate with Georgian University. You do also matchmaking. You recommend we, we do matchmaking. We are providing also possible partners. We also organized uh, a lot of contact seminars, actually. So actually, last year we had a contact seminar with Austrian universities, with Irish universities, and then we had an international contact seminar last October when we invited European universities in Georgia and made this uh, speed dating and matchmaking and whatever. Lika Glunte, it's been a pure pleasure to have you online on this podcast. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you, thank you very, very much. Thank, thank you, you, thank you. Okay, ciao. That was an interview with Lika Glunti at Erasmus National Office in Tbilisi, Georgia. A recording we made earlier this summer. And that was a second episode in our series about countries. The previous one was about Uzbekistan and you find a link from our webpage and on our social media on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Our next episode will be about international student recruitment. We will make an interview with the CEO of a company in, based in Bulgaria. Mirko, would you like to say a few words about student recruitment? Yes, this will be the first time we touch on the topic and international student recruitment, of course, has been always very high on the agenda of universities uh, throughout Europe and uh, actually globally now. 
um, it has been booming in the 2000s and uh, of course this attracted many private companies to the business and uh, this is done in very different ways more or less ethical so we want to this is just the first episode we will interview more organizations dealing with these and also universities to see how they deal with international student recruitment but we decided to start from this best uh, practice uh, case uh, and we will hear how from scratch uh, somebody can build uh, a, a company that deals with international student recruitment and uh, see one of the possible ways in which this could be done. Of course, the models are uh, endless, so that will be very interesting to listen to. So stay tuned, follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and you will see when we launch this program. Thank you for listening to Interlace podcast. Mm-hmm.